Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everybody, to Talking Fates, the Star Wars podcast where we discuss another Star Wars podcast, specifically Duel of the Fates, a podcast in nine parts based on the alleged Derek Connolly, Colin Trevorrow draft of the Star Wars Episode Nine script. I'm John Murray, co-host of Star Wars TV Talk, along with my TV Talk cohort, Zach Logan, and we are joined this week by Duel of the Fates voice talent, Amy Henkel, who plays Rose Tico in this fifth episode of the limited run nine installment podcast. All right, Zach, take it away. Well, first, I just want to thank Amy for joining us today. We are super excited to have you today, Amy. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. So how did you get involved in the project? Um, Do you know Jamie or uh, Friends of Friends or how did that all come about? Um, I'm actually curious to know where everybody else came from. I've known Jamie for a long time. We went to um, the Humber Comedy Program together back in 2003. (laughs) So, so, and then actually after that was done, we went, uh, we were in a sketch troupe together and we went down to LA for three months to take the groundlings together in LA. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, and I've known him since then. Yeah. Jamie had mentioned that, uh, he'd done lessons at the groundlings. I was wondering how his path somehow led him down there and then back to Toronto. So, um, you're, you're helping to fill in a few of the, the, the cracks along the way. His path included my car. <laughs> okay. Very good. Very good. Um, so who are your instructors over at Humber college? Oh gosh. Um, Lewis Bowmander was our acting teacher mm-hmm. and, uh, Lauren Froman was our, uh, sitcom writing teacher. Mm-hmm. Rob Trick was our stand up teacher. Uh, Adrian Truss was our improv teacher. Um, and then, uh, we had Levi McDougal directed our end show and he's now a writer at Conan now. Okay. And, uh, and then we had, you know, workshops with like, uh, Joe Flaherty came in and into cash and, and people like that. So I got a lot out of it. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic program. Um, a friend of mine named Matt went through that program and, uh, someone I interviewed for my other podcast, Robin Duke, who's an SNL alum and an SCTV alum and a second city stage alum, yeah. uh, was an instructor there for quite a while. So I thought maybe you had some classes under her. Um, what a, what a fun program that must've been. Yeah, it was, it was. <laughs> Since you have uh, a background in sketch and improv, uh, I was wondering if any of that performance background um, or any of the techniques and skills that you acquired in your your improv training, if that helped you to better realize this character during uh, like this remote quarantine voice acting kind of scenario, were you able to pull on any of the the skills that you'd built up over the years from sketch and improv to bring more life to Rose Tico? Yeah, I, I would say um, mostly it was the acting instruction that I've taken as mm-hmm. part of doing sketch and improv. Um, we're kind of addicted to taking classes when we get into that. So taking, you know, some voice classes and acting classes that way. Uh, something that happened when we were recording uh, was that I was getting laughs and I, <laughs> from the other voice actors uh, at times. And I didn't, I wasn't trying to do that. Um but Rose's lines were kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And then actually I was thinking about it after the fact. And, um, you know, was, uh, something that I, I thought of along the way in my journey doing comedy was, um, I think, uh, 
that comedians tend to, well, I, I realized at some point I don't really like acting because oh. I don't like feeling those feelings. It's not comfortable to make yourself cry and to make yourself angry. And sure. when I'm in real life, I don't want to experience those emotions. And that's <laughs> sure. why I have a lifetime of cracking jokes to break tension and, uh, you know, running away from those emotions. So I feel like that's one of the uh, differences between someone who's an actor and someone who's a comedian. And then I started thinking about Rose and who she is and how in touch is Rose with her own feelings and how earnest is she and, um, you know, what we see from her in uh, the second movie, mm-hmm. Last <laughs> episode Jedi, yeah. eight. Yep. I think, you know, we see her true feelings at the end, but uh, maybe she's not so candid about it until sure. that point. So yeah. uh, perhaps she is someone who tends to joke away her her earnestness. Well, you you did sting the quips and and the snarky little comebacks. Uh, you stung them like a pro, I got to say, because listening to it, Zach and I were actually commenting on an earlier show that um, yours was the first performance that really stood out as not just capturing the essence of the character, but you we kind of got lost in your performance. Like it was one of the the few early on because you know you have a, a role that is basically one of the first scenes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you were the one that we both zeroed in on is man, she's really got Rose nailed there. And there's, there's just a lot you're communicating with your performance. Wow. Thank as, you so much. So I don't know if, if it's all intentional, if it's intuition or if it's just whatever the luck of the draw was a good character for you to uh, get saddled with. But one way or another, we both took notice that we thought your, your performance was pretty solid and uh, you managed to capture the, the voice quality of Rose pretty good too. And I don't know if that was intentional or if that's just you. I mean, I practiced it before. Okay. And then uh, when we started recording, I mean, we recorded it uh, live-ish, like we were all together right. uh, remotely, but I could hear everybody. And I was blown away by some of the other actors. And actually, when I had some waiting time, I pulled up um, some sequences on my phone and had, you know, my other ear with the earbud in, <laughs> you know, it was studying it a little bit more because I was like, oh my gosh, these guys are so good. <laughs> I got to up my game. So... Um, yeah, feel, thanks for saying that. Yeah. Jamie managed to round up quite a, uh, a murderer's row of voice talent for, you know, a, a very kind of ragtag, low budget, kind of just fun side project. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised the, the kind of quality that, that these episodes have been turning out, not just in the voice talent, the score and sound effects and everything's been coming yeah. together very well. So yeah, we were very impressed and you honestly were one of the first ones to catch our attention. So um, yeah, you were definitely keeping pace with all the the other guys in the mix there. So well done. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Well, and your your uh, improv definitely shows up so well in this because whenever I looked at your website after we got all the links, um, I went through it and I was reading up. I'm like, oh, that makes sense because your comedic timing, mm-hmm. even though this was you know an audio drama and that's kind of hard to do, your comedic timing was so on point. So I just want to say <laughs> good job on that because it was excellent. Oh, and it did feel a whole lot like uh, the Rose that we were kind of introduced to in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yep. That yeah. Humber College tuition was money well spent. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So what... What did Rose mean to you when you first saw her in The Last Jedi? Like, was this a character that you uh, were invested into right away or did your admiration for her come later? Um, I definitely was never a Rose hater. I was sort of <laughs> neutral on her, you know, uh, whereas there were a lot of Rose haters out there. And uh, in my neutrality, I guess, contesting anybody who would be a hater of her. And then when it got to the, the ninth episode... Um, I definitely was upset that she got dropped mm. for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, I wanted to know more about her. I, 
And she's more of a, a relatable character, I think, like uh, Ray. You know, I mean, how many of us are Jedi Masters? Not too many. <laughs> sure. um, but Rose is someone who is, you know, she doesn't even have that interesting of a story. Like, she's not, uh, you know, a former stormtrooper mm. or anything like that. She's, she's a space nerd. Yeah, you could see yourself in that position of like, hey, if you care enough, you can gravitate towards a position where you're doing awesome things because she definitely cares a lot for sure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And you kind of hit the nail on the coffin here when you said that she was kind of dropped from episode nine (laughs) um, because that is true. And I don't think that's necessarily a controversial thing to say because she had like 45 seconds of screen time. And so obviously in this version of episode nine, she has a much larger role and we're just about at the or right across the halfway point here. And her role is already just extremely influential into the story. And so what did you think of her role in Duel of the Fates? Uh, well, I'm one of those people who I wanted to be surprised and listen to the whole thing uh, mm. together and and learn the story that way. So um, I also did not. I was listening to someone else saying they didn't read ahead. And I also didn't. Uh, as far as the story goes and and how she fits into the whole story, um, I definitely was happy to see how active she is. And I know that she does one thing towards the end without any spoilers that <laughs> uh, has a huge impact. So, yeah, she has her moment for sure. And I'm really glad to see that. Yeah, we get some revisionist history where, yeah, Rose has an opportunity to shine in a way that she didn't get to in the official uh, version of episode nine. Uh, so it is, it, it's a very nice and satisfying what if for anyone that uh, appreciated what Rose brought to The Last Jedi. Uh, and I agree. I, um, I enjoy Rose's trajectory in, in this story a lot. Uh, I think it's uh, much better writing than just simply giving her homework to do. So she's not allowed to go on the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that doesn't seem like a very fitting way to sideline a character that was so prominent in the previous movie. And uh, so, yeah, this, this feels uh, more right to me mm-hmm. personally. Yeah. Because I mean, she was active when we first met her, she was working on the spaceship Yeah, and uh, yeah, even because, I mean, I read articles at the time um, when some people were upset that she had been dropped. And uh, there was a, a, a one at one time that where she was saying, the actress was saying, the actor was saying that uh, her role had been larger. Mm-hmm. And it sort of alluded that uh, because we lost Carrie Fisher, uh, she would yeah. have had more scenes back at the base. But I still feel like she shouldn't have been back at the base. Like she's a she's a skilled person. Um, and, you know, we need her for things like fixing things and, and problem solving, you know, with them. So yeah, I I really feel like she should have been more, more active. I'm one of those people. (laughs) Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, she seemed like, uh, too obvious a person to slot into any number of roles in the rise of Skywalker, where she could have been along on the adventure where they establish new characters. And you wonder why, like, wait a minute, like we we already have, you know, a a, a female counterpart for Finn who can go on that adventure with them. Like what's going on here? Uh, did, did seem a little awkward. So, uh, it is nice that she gets her due in some medium. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons that there was backlash against her is that we did, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure we did just meet her in the second one, right? Like right, she, yeah. yeah, so we're supposed to be invested in this person who we just met and, you know, we're still getting to know the first people sure. um, after all these years and we're still bonding with them. So to be asked, like, here's somebody new, bond with that. Yeah. I think that's why there was some resistance. That's why there was resistance. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then, you know, just to drop her in the third one, um, it just made it worse, you know? Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I mean, Rose was such a huge influential character in um, in The Last Jedi, even though that whole mission was kind of like Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark type of thing where nothing really mattered in the end as far as how it affected the plot. But she's there and she does sacrifice herself more or less to save one of our main characters. And um, and she does something similar here. We're kind of left with a cliffhanger with Rose. And so even though I haven't read the whole script, when this scene happened where she kind of falls and you're I guess we're left to assume that that, that she's dead. I'm just going to assume that she's not and that she survived <laughs> that little that little wound or a scuff, whatever's going on. And yeah, I mean, it's been fun to have this character back and your performance has been uh, so great. So thank you so much for providing your voice for Rose here. Oh, thanks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a, another fun episode. We don't have to dig too much into the plot. And we definitely don't want to venture into spoilers, so we'll veer way away from that. But um, yeah, just in a, a more uh, broader sense, um, the story is really picking up. You know, we've got two or three plot threads that are all open right now, and they're all getting very exciting. So um, I'm not sure if you've been listening religiously, Amy, when they drop, but uh, it is well worth a listen how it's been coming together. And we hope that people continue to tune in for the back half of Duel of the Fate since we've got. Uh, four more episodes to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you that they're edited so well yes, and the, yeah, the music and yeah. And then also just even getting to know this script that, you know, otherwise people, you know, how many people are going to sit down and read a script, right? But that's right. why the story gets to be told and and the work that went into that script gets to be heard. So I think it's really great. Yep. It's been a really fun project and it does. It, it breathes life into something that a lot of people wouldn't have um, been exposed to otherwise. So it, it gives them an opportunity to understand the story kind of at a more fundamental level when you've got a bit more production behind it. Uh, mm -hmm. It's very immersive, very fun. And uh, we're glad to be able to do our part to help get the word out. And uh, it's really nice that uh, Jamie was able to round up such capable people to help bring it to life. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm really curious where everybody else came from. Mostly just around Toronto, just people Jamie knew in passing is what I understand from most of the people we've chatted with so far. Oh, that's great. He's such a social guy too. Like he's such a, just as an infectious uh enthusiasm for things like I'm not surprised yeah. that he was able to gather up a lot of interested people yeah and obviously uh, a knack for casting yes mm -hmm. yeah um, I had a chance to look over your website and holy cow there's some really <laughs> impressive stuff on on there so would you uh, be willing to tell our listeners about what you do and then also maybe like your journey between this comedy improv and animation sure uh, well, you know that I went to Humber in 2003, but I'm actually even older than that. Uh, before <laughs> that, I went to Sheridan for animation. So, oh, nice. I uh, went there. And then at that time, uh, when I went into the school, the animation industry was still coming off that Lion King boom that everybody wanted to be an animator <laughs> and whatever. And then while I was in school, like all the studios shut down. There was zero jobs, you know, people with years and years of experience I'd be competing against. So that's why I was like, oh, I got to do something else, I guess. So uh, I had worked a little bit in animation, but uh, went to Humber. And then uh, when I got out of there, um, I did animation sort of during the day, doing things that didn't require a lot of ambition, I guess, like paid mm -hmm. the bills. But my ambition definitely was in comedy. So I, I continued doing, I, I went through a stand-up phase where I was doing, you know, multiple shows per night. And then that phase kind of ended when I got into improv. And then it was, you know, the more shows, the better and the more workshops, the better and uh, really immersed in that. What, uh, what theaters were you affiliated with? When I did stand up, uh, the best, the farthest I got was at a place called the Laugh Resort, which was on King Street. Mm -hmm. And then uh, 
of course, like I, I took the, the Groundlings with Jamie and then came back, did the conservatory with uh, Second City. Mm-hmm. And um, the highest I got with them was uh, they had a, it's called House Co. now, but back then it was called The Bench. So it was sort of like, you're, you're just this close for the touring company. But <laughs> uh, Oh, and then I also uh, worked for them as uh, teaching children. Okay. So that and um, with Sketch, uh, when the comedy bar first opened up, they had uh, the Sketchersons, the Sunday Night Live. And then mm-hmm. they also had um, two sort of farm teams going into that. So I was on one of those where we would put on a new show every two weeks. And that was called The Assembly. So um, that was really cool to be at the comedy bar when it was first starting up. And, you know, things were still in plywood and, and things sure. like that. So, Well, what a what a, a fun path you, you trod through. Uh, mostly Toronto-based comedy, but even down in LA yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah, it's a it's a fun world to get involved in, and it it certainly brings a lot of experiences and uh, hopefully happy memories along the way. Definitely, like I will never look back and think, "What if?" Like I know sure. what if. Like, I yeah. fully explored the what if. So, uh, and then at some point, I mean, when I first went to Humber too, the idea was, well, I know that the part of animation I want to be involved in is story. So if I go to this comedy school and learn writing, you know, at least I'm, I'm building up that skill set. And when I go back to story, I'll be an even better story person. Sure. I didn't think that I would be bit by the, the bug, you know, but um, so then, but at one point I, I realized around 2013 or so that, you know, I, I think animation is sort of a stronger path for me. So that's when I started focusing up. And so uh, now I work as a storyboarder for the most part, as far as voices go, the past couple of years, I've been working on a game that uh, somebody, he invented the idea of it, the concept of it, and he's the money guy. Um, okay. and, and then as far as the creative stuff, I mean, I had a, a huge input in uh, creating the characters, creating the way that the game actually works. It's a storytelling game. So, mm-hmm. um, And then I would do the scratch voices for one of the characters. I have this like, it's like little kid voice that I, well, that's not even good. <laughs> it's like this little kid voice that I do. So, um, and then uh, when it came time to, we brought it to the animation studio to get actually done. Um, they were like, oh, you know, we like your voice. Actually, can you be the real voice of it? So that's when mm. the wheel started turning that I was like, this is like a kind of an obvious thing that, you know, there's um, the South Park guys and the family guy guy that, you know, <laughs> they they create their own shows and they do their own voices in the shows. And maybe right. this is something that I should explore as far as pitching shows and coming up with characters and that kind of thing. So sure. that's why I got a nice microphone and all that kind of stuff. And we'll see where it goes. Very good. Um, did you want to offer your website address for anyone that wants to check out your stuff or even potentially uh, collaborate with you on some voice work or any of the other multiple talents that you've amassed over the years? Sure. Uh, it's amyoffmodel.com. Mm-hmm. So in animation, we say on model or off model. Um, so I, I called it that because my career path has been so off model of what I expected it to be. So uh, A-M-Y-O-F-F model.com um and then there's you know yeah a wide range of things there that you can check out excellent i encourage our listeners to go to that website uh look at some of the stuff that you did because it was awesome and we were uh, we're so grateful that you joined us today so thank you thank you so much mm-hmm. well until we meet back with our heroes and villains in the next installment of duel of the fates this is zach logan signing off from the resistance Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.